When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at Remax Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Well, well, well. Today is going to be an interesting day, Kat. It's going to be an interesting day. Indeed. So as we record the podcast, most people know it's just after 9. The announcement is coming at 9 or 11.30-ish. We'll go with ish. Uh, this morning from Doug Ford regarding some, I don't even want to call it reopening, because according to all the sources, we don't have any info on gyms, even through these sources. All we know is that he's likely going to announce that as of January 31st, restaurants will open at 50% capacity. So we're going off of that right now. Uh, is that enough? Um, You know, it's weird because the health minister came out yesterday and did a news conference and everybody was asking because Ford himself indicated good news was coming this week. And everybody wanted to know from the health minister, well, are the businesses reopening, gyms, restaurants, that sort of thing? And she wouldn't answer. It was a completely meaningless news conference yesterday. I think what they were trying to do is, and maybe this is the health minister trying to save face, because she got off scot-free for a long time, but I'm sorry, lockdown number four, we got to call out how bad at her job (laughs) she is too. Because let's be honest, we're locked down for the fourth time with a 90% vax rate. That's unacceptable. Mm -hmm. So she came out yesterday, maybe just trying to save face and make it look like she's doing something. Or maybe it was just to try and make it look like the situation is good and we can reopen. So don't freak out too much tomorrow when Doug comes out and says the restaurants are reopening. They've got to do a bit of a dance because there's still people out there that are scared. They're very, very, very worried about what comes next. And one of the great things I think that came out of the news conference yesterday, uh, Dr. Moore was there. And they asked him about all the deaths because the deaths were high yesterday, like 40. And today they're, they're reporting over 75 deaths that actually were previously unreported. So today's number is going to look high, too, when you see the death numbers. And the doctor was honest, and I was glad to hear some honesty. He said he strongly suspects that the deaths that we've been seeing over the last couple of weeks are exactly as predicted. They're Delta deaths likely linked to Christmas gatherings been about two weeks since Christmas or since New Year's and that makes sense the timeline works you don't hear too much about Delta these days though do you as soon as Omicron hit they wanted you to forget Delta but Delta was still there Dave's pretty confident he had Delta a lot of people that are really sick they may just have Delta but we don't have tests to confirm it can't get testing done our capacity is brutal and They wanted you to be really, really afraid of Omicron. Well, maybe that did scare people into getting their boosters. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. I mean, the booster numbers are not good. What are we at? Like a third of the eligible population for a booster actually got one? Yeah. but And we have to know that there's a reason for that, right? People are hesitant because they're saying, okay, but if I get boosted, I could still catch it. Look at all these people who are double vaxxed with boosters that still caught it. And some of them aren't in the ICU currently. So where, what is it here? What, what am I doing it for? And someone would argue, okay, so to protect your people around you and yourself. And, okay, but again, 
the numbers are showing that people who have had these boosters are still sitting in the same position that possibly they might have been had they not. So, of course, it makes us all wonder. And then there's also word of, you know, the drugs that have come in, the ones you can take orally. That's great. Maybe people are going to rely more on that. I'm not sure. And it should be up to people to decide for themselves on that. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, Let's play a little bit of the little bit that we got from Doug yesterday. This is the teaser for the announcement. We are all too used to these now. Listen to this. Can can small businesses expect the opposite? Yeah, it's going to be a positive announcement that we we make this week, and uh, I look forward to it. Uh, you know, don't, no one uh, dislikes these, these uh, shutdowns more, more than I do. I actually despise them. But uh, in, in saying that, uh, you know, health is a priority. And uh, I follow the guidelines of the chief medical officer. But uh, No. All right. Let, let's just correct the record here. Let, let, let's go back just a little bit here. Let's uh, start that over again and listen to just a second or two of Doug. Yeah, it's going to be a positive announcement that we we make this week, and uh, I look forward to it. Notice he went from good news to positive announcement. Yeah, I mean, we all know it's it's going to be regarding reopening. But how come, like, you can't speak in between? It's just so frustrating, isn't it? Like, you can't speak in between Uh, only when there's something good to say. Yep. No one uh, dislikes these, these uh, shutdowns. You know, don't, no one uh, dislikes these, these uh, shutdowns more, more than I do. I actually despise them. Okay, that's just a lie. Nobody likes them or dislikes them more than you do. Doug, you're the king of lockdowns. Nobody has locked down more than you. Nobody. You did it four times in two years. Mm-hmm. Four times. The last one, this one. You said you made your decision in 30 seconds. That's how easy it was for you to throw all those people out of work, Doug. You can't say that. Nobody believes you when you say nobody dislikes lockdowns more than me. You're doing the whole this hurts me more than you thing. No, it really hurts businesses, Doug. You've really hurt businesses. This is why but, I uh, in, in- This is why I go back to the desire of of honesty. I just want a little honesty be like Politically, I thought this was the best move, but maybe I'm realizing politically it's actually not the best move. So I'm going to backtrack. And uh, yeah, I thought the lockdowns were a good idea because I thought that people would, you know, rest on our COVID numbers. But then I realized those are fucking crazy anyway. Nobody cares about that. They just want their freedoms. I'm fuck. I just want to get reelected. So here we are. Uh, He did have one more soundbite that we'll play for you. You know, something my heart breaks uh, for him. I'm I'm a business person uh, right, right from day one. And I understand uh, you know, the, the needs that they, they have and the payroll that they have to meet in other areas. Uh, we're, we're putting every resource possible to make sure we, we support them uh, through a level of another uh, $10,000 grant, making sure we take care of the electricity or their taxes, any of their overhead that they have. But uh, that nothing makes up uh, for uh, that when, when your business is closed. What makes up for that is let's open the businesses up and uh, hopefully the, the patrons will come back and feel confident uh, that they can go to their favorite restaurant or favorite gym or, or the banquet hall. Uh, wait, no, nobody wait, has a favorite uh, banquet hall that they go to, <laughs> just, just so you know. You have a favorite banquet hall, Doug, and we all know why. You have a favorite banquet you hall. Do. Banquet hall, yes. Favorite gym? I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, he did start making sense at the end there. I mean, we'll be sure, fair. Fine. He did. You know what? The best stimulus you can give businesses right now, Doug, is let them open their doors. That is what will solve the problem. I'm glad you acknowledge that. It's really time to take the 
the the Doug train off the track and let businesses do what business people do. You know, to compare that to his experience, his business never got shut down. Never once did it get shut down. He hasn't had to worry about making payroll. His company's made a shit ton yeah. of money during all this. Yeah, and that's the thing is it's it's that's what's unbelievable to me is looking at where we are now. And I got a great email. Thank you to Michael. Michael and his wife listen to our podcast every day together. And I love that. She's attempting to open up a salon and has been attempting to do that for a while, obviously, with all these restrictions. They're like, should we just move? Should we just move to Florida at this point? And I understand where you're coming from. But what what's crazy to me is that we can sit here and some people just are getting so screwed over. And it's just been so unfair on this side. But because other people are in a cushy spot, like a Doug, like other politicians who haven't lost their job, even though, from what I can tell, if you fuck up your job, you get fired. Usually. Right? Usually. That's not the case here, clearly. But when you're feeling cushy, it's so easy to be like, guys, it's okay. Okay, you try living off of the amount of money that these people have been given. You'd give it a try. They couldn't even buy groceries at the Ford household for $300 a week. Honestly. They it's, couldn't. It's, an, it's insane right now. And with the inflation going up, and I don't know if we're going to talk about it in the podcast, but we all know, we see it every day. It's harder and harder for families to do this. And Ontario's been the worst for it. Not even giving these people a chance to, by the way, do something completely fair, legal, and honest living. Nah. Nope, can't do it. Sorry. Think back to all the times Doug shut down the hair salons and that he shut down the restaurants and the 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 indoor attractions mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and he says, oh, you know, nobody dislikes the, the shutdowns more than me. I mean, that's just a lie that, that you're just lying to people. You're patronizing us, really. I, I don't see it any other way. You, don't tell me you hate doing it. You did it four times. You, or at least, yeah, like I said, it's just that you thought that you had to do it politically. That made the most sense to you. It doesn't, you didn't hate it. No. And you know what? He was getting probably the other side of the story, the other side of the argument. He was uh, likely getting it at home, asking valid questions that they wouldn't even let you ask in a news conference. They did not want to address how many people were in hospital with COVID that didn't go in there for COVID. It was three weeks ago that they finally acknowledged and admitted that's the case. And lo and behold, half of the COVID numbers weren't even in there for COVID. It's shocking to me that just now, with five months before an election, he wants to to play the other side of it. Oh, I never wanted it like this. Yes, you did. You did. That's exactly what you wanted. And you were the boss. This could have gone any way you wanted it to. Or if you did truly feel that these businesses should be open, you could have said they're staying open and let the chief medical officer overrule you if they want to, and they can, but you didn't even do that. Uh, Yesterday, as a stark contrast, and this is funny because it's got people talking because we need to have this conversation soon too. Over in the UK, Prime Minister Boris Johnson got up in the House of Commons yesterday and made an earth-shattering announcement. We can return to Plan A in England and allow Plan B regulations to expire. As a result, from the start of Thursday next week, mandatory certification will end. For those who don't know, mandatory certification is vax passports. He was saying that there will be no more vax passports as of next Thursday. I am so distracted in this announcement by the people in the background because I've heard this a couple of times now. Maybe this is your first time, but try not to be distracted by the, hey, oh, oh. 
British Parliament is a hybrid between 2022 and 1222. It's almost medieval in some ways. When I close my eyes and I listen to it, I picture like a Game of Thrones style setting where they're all sitting around tables with like uh, some form of a drink in front of them. A large drink. Oh, all men, no women, by the way. Just fucking taking us way back to the whatever, 1200s. Anyway, continue. So that was him saying there will be no more vax passports as of Thursday. Nations can, of course, choose to use the NHS COVID pass voluntarily, but we will end the compulsory use of COVID status certification in England. From now on, the government is no longer asking people to work from home. And people should now speak to their employers about arrangements for returning to the office and having looked at the data carefully. Here we go. Here comes the big one. Listen to the audience, a.k.a. the members of parliament. Because they were pretty good on the whole, no more Vax passport. They were pretty good there on the, we're not asking you to work from home. Either go back to the office or don't, but it's not our requirement anymore. Here comes the big one that's got a lot of people talking. The cabinet concluded that once regulations lapse, the government will no longer mandate the wearing of face masks anywhere. As they raise their chalice. <laughs> raise your chalice. Raise it to that. Fuck. So funny to me. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, from, from tomorrow, from tomorrow, we will no longer require face masks in classrooms and the Department, and the Department for Education will shortly remove national guidance uh, on their use in communal areas. In the country at large, we will continue to suggest the use of face coverings in enclosed or crowded spaces, particularly when you come into contact with people you don't normally meet, but we will trust the judgment of the British people and no longer criminalise anyone who chooses not to wear one. The gov- wow. Wow. That was uh, something that I, I think if you go back a year, at least a year, on this podcast that we said it was last winter when are you going to treat adults like adults when can we get to a stage when doug ford doesn't have his hand in my pocket and christine elliott is dragging me down the street protecting me from omicron when are we going to get to that stage because so far the politicians haven't seen a single path that doesn't involve them directly involved in our lives it's like they don't realize that there's another way there is another way the uk is going to do it They're going to let adults be adults. They're going to let you assess your own risk. If you go into a situation and you don't really know a lot of these people or you don't really hang out with them, you have no idea what their VAC status is or if they're sick or healthy or what, you should probably put a mask on. But you know what? If you're going out for a beer after work and you want to stop into your your local and, and tip a pint, have a chat with the person at the other end of the bar, go right ahead. They're not there anymore telling you, do this, don't do that. They're not trying to run your lives anymore. I do think that we can do that here in Ontario, too. And I think that once the vast majority of people clue into the fact that eh, Doug's not running my life anymore, I got to make my own decisions, that I think that most people will make smart decisions. Nothing would go further, Doug and Christine. Nothing would go further to boost your vaccine effort than you guys pissing off. Yeah. 
A couple of things on this. Number one, people are going to do what they want to do anyway, as long as there's no physical restrictions to them doing it. And I mean, obviously, right now, for example, you couldn't just go into the gym just because you want to. In most cases, there might be some underground shit happening. I don't know. That's fine. Whatever. But you can't do it if you want to. You can if you want to do it, you'll find a way is, the, is what I'm trying to get at. And over the holidays, for example, those gathering limits reduced right before Christmas. Remember that? Did a lot of people do it? I don't think so. So really, at the end of the day, we do what we want to do or what we feel comfortable doing anyway. The only questions I have, and I didn't look too deep into this because it's the UK and it's not here in Canada, is making sure that there are certain things in place for those who are immunocompromised, because I do feel for them in this case, because they really got to avoid certain spaces more so if there's going to be a boom. There could be a boom and there might not be, that said, of, of COVID cases. But a lot of people in the health field are not happy, as you can imagine, with this announcement. That, that live there. They yeah. don't like it. They're still urging people, please wear a mask. I know he's doing this, but please wear a mask. And yeah, I mean, on one hand, I agree with you. Adults are adults. Do what makes you feel comfortable. If that was here, if Doug Ford came out today and said no masks, I'm still wearing my mask in certain places. That's my comfort zone right now. That's my barrier where I feel safe. But you're damn right I'm going to enter those businesses that have been so fucked over this whole time. So I feel like we can find a balance this is a good experiment. And I know that sounds, if you're in the UK and you hate this news, you know, I do feel for you, but there's people who hated the news that there were restrictions and, you know, I fell for them too. So it sucks, but it is an interesting experiment to, to see what happens. They're having a shit ton of cases a day for those wondering. It's not like it's gone away there. No, their hospitals are pretty run down too. I, I'm curious to see what happens. That said though. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny because Doug did nothing over the holidays. Remember, we were wondering, is Doug coming out? Is he going to do a news conference? Is he at the cottage? What's going on? Didn't see the guy. Didn't hear from the guy. Now that we see the situation we're in, and now that Dr. Moore has acknowledged that likely a lot of what we're seeing right now is from Delta, then we can probably, based on everything else we've learned about this pandemic, take it back two weeks, and lo and behold, we're right at the Christmas gatherings and the New Year's gatherings. It would have made more sense to do something a little more strict over the holidays than it would have to wait until after the holidays and blame the whole thing on Omicron. Omicron is still out there, but the doctors in South Africa were right, and in Denmark were right, and in the UK were right. Omicron is a mild variant for most people. The people who are getting really sick may likely have Delta, and the government has made it impossible for people to determine because there's not enough testing to tell you which one you got. So I think that at this point, with hindsight, again, they probably should have done something before Christmas and then let life carry on in January. But since they pushed it back and since they're still screwing businesses, uh, January 31st is the reopening date by the way, for indoor dining, and only at 50% because they just can't let go. They can't stop interfering, and they won't stop trying to mess your business up. It's really, really discouraging that they're putting it off again, that they're going to restrict you. Uh, Christine Elliott yesterday said, we won't be having our reopening until March. Really? You think they've got all that, that capital just floating around, ready to carry them through till March, Chrissy? You think that? Because I'm worried about them. I really am. And frankly, every business is essential. All of them. The ones that are creating jobs and paying taxes and contributing to society that just keep getting screwed over. And you guys seem to have no problem doing it. And it's very, very frustrating to me. What a messed up time. Considering that, plus infl add all of the costs of living going up and up and up. 
too, on top of the fact that people have lost their jobs or perhaps they're just just making ends meet right now. It's just a bad time. It's a bad time right now. We're going to talk about uh, some of your regrets in life coming up in a few. But first, you mentioned inflation. I feel like inflation is one of those things that we talk about very casually that the average person doesn't actually understand. You can sit in on a conversation about inflation, and even you might not fully understand what inflation is. And economists have theories about it. They have theories about how to stop it. Typically, a go-to for a government to slow down inflation is raise interest rates. And they're considering that. In fact, they may even raise interest rates this week. They can do that, but I really, truly hope before they do that they realize the collateral damage that will come out of raising interest rates. Mm -hmm. That's not the silver bullet. There's a lot of people who took on a lot of debt that they can't afford at a higher interest rate. And your little stress test didn't help. Your other measures that you put in place didn't help. And I'm here to tell you that if you guys want to create a housing crisis, massive foreclosures like we went through a decade ago, go ahead and raise interest rates. But you're going to see very quickly, there's a lot of people who are in over their head in debt, and you got to help them out too. You guys made it too easy to borrow. Now you want to raise rates? I mean, I guess. And when they borrowed the money, they knew that those rates could go up. But there's a reason a lot of people borrowed. Because we were in a really shitty, uncertain time. So, uh, I don't know that you guys should necessarily be racing to raise interest rates without considering a few alternatives. It's but just the shittiest timing for everything, isn't it? I don't get it. But Kat, I mean, last month it was a 30-year high. Yeah. Yesterday we got the December inflation numbers. It's at 4.8%. Yeah. yeah, I'm not surprised by it. The increase in consumer goods, 4.8% higher this December than last. They say it was driven namely by passenger vehicles, Cost of new cars has gone up by housing. That includes mortgages and rent and food. Yeah. When you can find food, the prices are crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> how many people got a real punch in the gut when they went to buy a, a five-pound bag of potatoes, which is normally $2.99, and it was $6? Or they went to buy a box of KD that's now, for some reason, $2.49. Is anybody else noticing in some areas the quality has gone down? And maybe that has to do with shipping, but I find that the quality of some things have gone down as the prices go up. Yeah, I haven't seen the quality difference, but I'm also... Produce mainly, I mean. I don't mean prepackaged goods. The potatoes and onions seem a lot smaller. I don't know. Maybe it's anecdotal. It just seemed that way to me. Uh, for me, I'm everything is price. The lowest one. And, you know, I used to go out of my way to shop Ontario Grown. And I would go out of my way to buy Canadian beef and all those things. Not now. Whatever is the cheapest is what I am buying just because those bills. I mean, it might not seem like a lot. If you're not the person who does groceries in your house, maybe you think, oh, what's the big deal? It's five bucks instead of three. You will probably, after doing your weekly grocery shop, maybe you bought a hundred different items that had to be checked out. Well, add up a dollar or two dollars or two fifty on a hundred different items, mm-hmm. and you'll see how much this is impacting families. And it seems like nobody does anything about it. It's funny because I did post this story today on the Scott and Cat Facebook page about just inflation, and instantly one of the true and on people came at me with, "Oh, sure, the entire world is dealing with inflation problems, but you want to blame it on Justin Trudeau." The whole world went through a pandemic, but you want to blame it on Justin Trudeau. Maybe you feel the same. 
listen, it doesn't matter how it happened or who was involved in it happening. What matters is that comes with the gig, and he's the boss. Justin's in charge of Canada. And when inflation goes up, we have every right to look to the top. This is on you, Justin. You need to do something. And I'm going to recommend that the first thing you should do is reconsider your trucker policy. Because if you don't get something done there, then I think we're going to, we're just experiencing the tip of the iceberg. It's going to get crazy. CIBC senior economist Andrew Grantham says it could grind even higher before cooling around springtime due to rising energy prices, supply chain issues that are affecting the food costs and the jumps in housing prices. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he's saying that this inflation is just going to continue to go through the roof until somebody reins it in. Mm -hmm. I hope they do that. I really do hope they get that under control soon. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. KCAT, let's switch gears here. There's a number of other things I want to discuss on this episode of After 9. Uh, it's a great thread on Whisper. People revealing the mistakes that they wish they could undo. Hmm. You know what they say, right? Can't put the genie back in the bottle. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Once something happens like this, you can't undo it. But what if you could? What would you pick? Here's some of the threads. One person says, I declawed my cat for the sake of my significant other. I still don't forgive myself for doing that one. Mm. Oh, boy. That one involves the pets. Yeah, that's a tough one. And on that note, you know, when it comes to making these choices for maybe your animal, also your your kid, I've heard before, you know, people regretting, you know, anything from getting their kids circumcised to, you know, things like that that are major choices that we kind of just do some people, right? Some people just automatically, that's what I do. And then later they go wait a minute, should I have not given someone a a choice to do that? And the cat definitely would have chosen not to have that happen. I have no doubt about it. Okay, that's a good regret. This person says, even though I had the chance, I didn't invest in Bitcoin back when it was like 10 bucks for 20,000 Bitcoins. Man, did I mess that one up. Yeah, sure. All of us did. All of us did. This person says, I wish I could go back and redo how I've spent money in the past decade. I'm paying now for the mistakes I made with money. Uh-huh. I I don't know many people that aren't in that situation. Right. When I think about the amount of money I dropped on X mm-hmm. and think, fuck, was that ever stupid? If I had that money now, do you know what I could be doing with that money? But I wasted it on this. Or, oh, I used to love going out to the club. 
okay, well, you know, you might have gone out to the club every Friday or Saturday night for a couple of years, dropping what, between 60 and 100 bucks yourself yeah. each time. Add that money up. Add up the amount of money you spent on whatever. And if you could have that back now, man, would your life be different? The, I think about that, and I've totally changed the way, around the way I think about money. This person says, I regret breaking up with my ex. I loved him. I was just afraid. Life is too short for fear. I've learned my lesson. Interesting. You probably have a lot of people that have that opposite regret, too, of I've stayed with someone too long. Oh, yeah. There's a ton of that. Hey, comfortable is comfortable for a reason because it's comfortable. And there's a lot of people who stay in a situation that they aren't necessarily happy in just because it's comfortable or because they're afraid of the unknown. You don't have to do that. There's an entire thread here about the mistakes that people wish they could undo. The best part is not getting into that. But let's do a few more. This person says, attempting suicide two different times when I was in middle school. That really killed my parents. I wish I could undo that for them. How many of us can look back, and that's an extreme case. That is extreme, you know, regret on something that's very serious. That's extremely serious, and you hope nobody has to go through anything like that on either end. But how many of us might have regrets looking back at our childhood going, fuck, especially to do with our parents. I mean, I think it's just kind of a part of life that we do things and we put stress on our parents. And later when we become adults, perhaps even parents ourselves, we go, oh, damn, that was horrible. Like, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. You know, I lied to them or they found out this. I stressed them out. I got, uh, you know, arrested or I, I did stupid things. I lied to them. You know, there's a lot of regrets like that, I think, for people that maybe don't, don't impact your life as greatly as that example right there. But still. This person says, the biggest mistake that I wish I could undo was having that first cigarette. Ah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It's funny, though, because... I had a, I remember taking a puff of a cigarette in grade, I want to say it was six or seven. Ooh, that was young. Yeah, it was a cat, a friend of mine, parents smoked. They brought it to the catwalk and we were hanging out together and she pulled out a cig, a cig, and, uh, and lit it up. And I was uninterested. I mean, I thought it's, I still think it smells bad. I, I'm not interested in it at all. It grosses me out. Blech. But she pulled it out and was like, oh, come on, do a drag, you know, peer pressure. So I was like, I gave it one try. Can I just say, I did that and I still, I never did it again. That that was, oh, actually, I shouldn't say that actually, because once I got really drunk in Vegas and I, and I did take some of my (laughs) friends, um, I took a drag of it, but it never interested me. Uh, But I know a lot of people who ended up with that addiction and wish that they could go back and, and change that. And maybe what I wonder is though, that person in that thread, does that mean you still smoke today and you just can't break the habit? Or does that mean you did quit eventually, but you wish you had never done it to begin with? Scanning down in the thread, they had their, what they hope is their last cigarette a week ago. Yeah, that's a tough Like that's a 30 tough years later though. Wow. It's nuts. I mean, quitting smoking is one of the hardest things you can do. It really, really is. Uh, this person says the regret, the mistake, I'd marry my first girlfriend. I left her so I could experience more attractive girls, but since then I've never met anyone who I had the same spark with uh-huh. or devotion to. Uh-huh. Yeah, when you do things on surface level sometimes, that's what ends up happening to you. Last one. Mistakes that you wish you could undo. I would lock the door before I was started masturbating. <laughs> Can you click on that thread? Who, who, who walked in? 
Who walked in? Which one? Was that Mama? The very first comment is, "Don't leave us hanging." What happened? He Sister? didn't reply. Yeah. Okay. We can all we can all try to figure that one out for ourselves. Oh. It had to be a family member, right? Because if it was embarrassing enough, where you really, really, truly regret it, it wasn't like it was a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a good friend for that matter it was a grandma it was a mom it was a sister it was a cousin or some gross shit like that or your partner and if they're a if they're the kind that won't let that go you've got to relive the humiliation of being caught with your really you think so yeah okay well there's a lot of people who don't want to admit it to their partner or whatever they keep it secret even though you shouldn't really have any secrets with your partner but they <laughs> don't want to tell hey yeah i just had a I rubbed a good one out today <laughs> like you don't have that conversation very often in life hey you didn't like that towel right <laughs> all right uh moving on a couple other things i want to cover in this episode of after nine you're a mom and i'm a dad is it even possible to forget when your kid's birthday is? Impossible? It's not impossible, but it's very unlikely that you would forget that date. That's a, th- those are big days. If you have one, two, three, four kids, maybe past that, I don't know. Emily is a mother of four and she lives in Minneapolis and she discovered she doesn't even know her own son's birthday. Uh-oh. She was alerted to the fact by her health insurance company. As it turns out, the pediatrician for the son, who is three years old, called because they were trying to figure out a billing issue that they were having. For some reason, her insurance wasn't going through. Emily says she told the doctor's office her son's birthday was February 26th, 2018. But the insurance company had it listed as February 25th. Now, she insisted to the insurance company, "Uh uh-uh. You're wrong. I'm his mother. I know when his birthday is. Uh oh. <laughs> One of those deals, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Excuse me. I was there and you weren't. I'm his mother. <laughs> I obviously was there. I know when my own son's birthday is. Thank you very much. <laughs> well. Oh, no. Karen, sorry, Emily <laughs> had to go all the way back through her Facebook memories. Facebook doesn't forget, and Facebook doesn't get the date wrong. You know what Facebook pointed out? That both the pediatrician and the insurance company were correct. The kid was born on the 25th. She has not only had her own son's birthday wrong for two years, she celebrated it on the wrong day two years in a row. This kid probably thinks his birthday is February 26th. I feel like that is hard to do because... you would have to fill out a lot of paperwork when you become a parent. Now, I don't know where she's from, but when you become a parent here, I remember in the hospital having to fill out papers after papers after papers, and I'd have to write down their birthdays over and over and over. So you're telling me she still forgot after that? Yeah. Yikes. You know, I get, I get sometimes it's confusing. Maybe in your mind, you think it's a certain day because that time is really hard, particularly on the women who are giving birth to the baby. It's, I went in on like the 12th, for example, thinking I would, okay, here we go in labor. I didn't have my daughter till the 14th, many, many hours later. And then an emergency C-section, which had me in a tizzy. And I remember asking like, what day is it? Like, I don't even know, but I found out and I, I remembered it. Good thing 
the kid's too young to realize this. Do you yeah. think she'll ever tell her kid that she fucked up for a few years? I wouldn't. <laughs> don't tell him. Don't tell him. Hey, do you know that for the first three years of your life, I didn't know your birthday? That's crazy. Whoops. You know, it, it wouldn't be so bad if she wasn't so insistent on it. Um, I know when my kid's birthday is. Having said yeah. that, God bless iCal and the fact that you can set alerts in iCal because there's a lot of dates that I probably wouldn't remember if they weren't in my phone. Your kids included, though? What about your kids' birthdays? Is that a different level? I know the kids' birthdays, mainly, and I know the dog's birthday. Of course you do. Uh, the dog's my buddy. The kids all went to school. I mean, they left the dog you, right? didn't leave me. <laughs> the dog's there every fucking day. That dog's loyal as fuck. <laughs> The kids? No. They'll leave you. The dog is forever. So that's why that's great. you should spoil your dog and stop giving your kids an allowance. That's why. I love it. Admitting you need help can be hard, even if it's just lifting something. One in eight people admit that they refuse to ask for help ever. They will always go it alone. Around half of people said they don't ask for help until they're completely overwhelmed. 8% don't ask for help until it's too late. And 13% just plain say, I don't ask for help. The people were most likely to turn to help or to turn to certain people for help when they did ask for it. Family, friends, significant others, and coworkers. The top five things that people say they could not do alone, even if you're a loner. Number one is raise a family. You need someone to help you out with raising that family. I believe that. Yep. I was a pretty independent dad, but I would still need to every now and again, got to call the mom. Hey, Grandma, can you babysit? Uh, this has got to, uh, boys got to go to lacrosse, girls got to go to piano, and I can't be in two places at once. There's a lot of examples where you might need to reach out and ask for help. And what do they say? It takes a village. Absolutely. And when it comes to kids, you're absolutely right. I feel like I'm in the bracket of I don't ask for help until I really feel overwhelmed. I do my best to try to do everything I need to do, but there are some cases. And yeah, I'm, like upon thinking about it, I think that that would be a good example is I can't be in two places at once and I certainly can't have my kids trek off to two places at once and my husband's busy right now. I need to reach out for help. That's usually the case. When it comes to work, how many people are in that category, I wonder, Uh right? And they're too afraid to ask for help because they don't want to be looked at as they can't handle their workload. Fucking loser. But then they get things wrong. They <laughs> I never sque- called him a loser. <laughs> I said Klaus, some things, but I never said he was a loser. Klaus, no. Uh, but, you know, and you're afraid. There are certain there are certain um, categories of life where you're afraid to do that. You're afraid to reach out for help because you don't want to look less than. Right. Isn't that isn't that a common theme? And it's and it's upsetting. That's disappointing, because if you do need help, you should never feel afraid to be embarrassed about it or looked down on for it. Because sometimes we do get overwhelmed and it's better than having like a. Um, um, I don't know, mental breakdown over it or really taking your stress out in another area of your life, right? How many times have we seen that? Talking about the things that people admit they can't do on their own. Number one is raise a family. Number two, buy a house. It is so especially now unaffordable yeah. to get into the housing market. Yeah. If you don't also have something to sell, it's extremely difficult to get the money sure. to buy. Sure. And that's when you might need to say, hey, listen, I, I've got like a 10% down payment and I need another 10%. Yeah. Can you help me? Yeah. 
very d- very common right now. It, extremely. We had a whole summit about it yesterday here in Ontario that didn't really get much done, but they did kick that can pretty far down the road. <laughs> They're good at that. <laughs> Travel or move to a new place. Yeah, I mean, I think generally speaking, we like to lean on our friends and family when we're moving. If you're moving a long distance, you're probably going to need some professionals to help you get that done. Mm-hmm. Buy a car. So in this case, I'm not sure if they mean <clears throat> buy a car in that they need help with the money part of buying a car or if they just don't know what they're looking for. They need to, I'm going to bring my dad to help me look at a new car because I don't want to negotiate with the salespeople. Right. That sort of thing. And people do do that all the time. I've had friends ask me, can you come with me? I'm going to look at a new car. And it, there's no shame in that, by the way, because if None. you know nothing about whatever it is, name the category, car being a good example of that. If I know nothing about cars, but I know what I need, my needs, I need this, I need this much space, I feel like I might do this, what is my life going to look like over the next five to 10 years of owning that vehicle? Those are all important factors that people might not consider. So having someone to come in and help you out with that, like I remember my first couple cars I bought, I brought my dad both times. I brought my dad like, what do you think? Do you think it's good on gas, mileage? He thought about all those things and helped me navigate that. And I know enough now to not need anybody at all. But in some cases you do. So don't be ashamed to ask for it. Online dating is back in the news, as it does tend to do every now and again. Because what else is there? There is nothing. <laughs> Not in Ontario. Who's bumping into one another at Indigo? Not a lot of people. A uh, new study, it was from dating.com, in case you're wondering. like to reference the source. It says, on average, before you meet that person in person, you'll exchange about 30 different messages back and forth on the app Mm -hmm. is that a little low that sounds low to me that does sound low to me okay so you've made i'm trying to figure out how this works you've made the contact and you both swiped on each other or however it works and and now you're able to talk and hey okay well there's one message hey there's two messages (laughs) not 30 conversations 30 messages. 30 that is messages. way too low to me. You think way so? Way too low. Yeah, I don't think you could get a good enough grasp even to want to meet up in person based on 30 messages back and forth. Well, there are some nuances to this, particularly here. The global average was 30 messages before you met the person in person. In Canada, the average is 100 yes. messages. Yes, see, that makes much more sense to me. What That's because we're fucking picky. Are, do you, okay, but no, stop, no, we no. are. Stop it with the picky stuff. That's you're not. You're trying not to waste your time. There's nothing wrong with finding value in your time and knowing. Hey, after a good 100, you know, conversation back and forth with this person, I know now, probably not for me because they answered this when I asked them a question. And not that it should be an interview, but really, those first several messages are kind of a way to get to know the person, right? Whether you're not asking straight up questions, maybe you're just trying to get to know their personality type by joking around with them. Do they have a sense of humor? You can figure all those things out. It's not about being picky. It's about not wasting your time, man. Time is valuable. You don't waste your time on them if you're having a great conversation with someone on this other, you know, this other profile and you're thinking, yeah, I'm more likely to go out with them. You're not picky. It's fine. In the UK, a couple more highlights from this. 45% of singles are sending gifts to potential dates before meeting in person. Oh, that's cute. What would the gift be? Would it be like, uh, send them a pair of gloves because that first date we're going ice skating. Would it be something like that? Yeah. I mean, sure. That's a cute idea. I I think there's nothing wrong with that. 
Did you do you that? don't compliment me nearly enough on what a, <laughs> what a great guy I am. That is actually a really cute idea. Now, now keep in mind, to do that, you need to have the person's address, too. So it depends how willing they are to give it to you. Hey, I emailed you some gloves. Yeah, <laughs> there's an e-voucher there in your inbox. Check your junk mail, but I got you some gloves. <laughs> they say in France, 63% of singles on their dating apps are willing to travel up to 70 miles to meet their date. Ooh, okay. I, I mean, I like that because that, that shows that it took you a lot to, obviously, to get there. Time, money, right, on gas, all those things. So you must know for sure that you're interested in getting to know that person. That maybe shows confidence. 70 miles is well over 100 kilometers. That's going to be at least a one-hour trip yeah, each way. Yeah. Uh, I got to think if you're doing that, you're hoping for a hookup. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, you say hookup or relationship. Are we talking about relationships or are we talking about hookups? Well, because it's a changes. dating site, so I don't think you jump right into the relationship. Sure, but you should see potential there. And yes, maybe it's for a booty call. Maybe people would travel that far for a booty call. I'm sure they would. I know they would. Sorry, I shouldn't say I'm sure. I know they would. But when you're talking like relationship, you want to get to know them that much that you'll travel that far. I think that's that's sweet. Here in North America... They say we are really raising the game to try and land ourselves a great mate. The average person will spend $300 on a first date. Okay, okay. Let's add it up. And it's not just inflation. There is, okay, the transportation aspect. Got to get gas yeah, in the car. Fine. Sure. Pick them up. You're going to go for dinner. Dinner is can, can we say at least minimum 150 bucks? Yeah, 150 is good with tip and everything else. Even if you have it, maybe you have an app, 150, depending on the restaurant. Let's say average, that sounds good. Yeah. Th- then you head out to do whatever else you do because there's dinner, which is mainly obligatory. And then you might go, I don't know, to a movie, mini golfing. Uh, an escape room, like name it. Exactly. Yeah. Add all that up, maybe yeah. a couple of cocktails or dessert afterwards. It's very easy to get to $300. Yeah. That makes sense to me. It does. Yeah. In Europe. They spend about $150 on a first date. One more thing here that, uh, there's two more. 82% of singles say they'd be willing to move to another country for love. Okay, and I see, we see it all the time, don't we? Absolutely. A good friend of mine actually just became a Canadian citizen. He's American. He married a girlfriend of mine a while back. Finally became a Canadian citizen. You know when he, you know when he became a Canadian citizen? On Monday, during the worst snowstorm of all time. Oh, shit. Well, there's nothing more Canadian than what happened on Monday. I sent him a message. I'm like, are you sure? (laughs) Before you get sworn in, are you sure? Welcome. This is your problem now. (laughs) It's an online process, by the way. It's super weird. Is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to do it online on like Zoom, basically, taking the... I, is it called an oath? Yeah, I, there is an oath. Yeah, yeah. taking the oath and the whole nine, and he had the Canadian flag, and he went out shoveling with his Canadian flag on, which is adorable. Huh, good yeah. for him. That's yeah. great. Uh, last one. Worldwide, 38% of singles say they'd be open to dating someone who speaks a different language. I love that. Wait a minute. Love it. Wait a minute. Doesn't speak your language. Right. Only speaks their language, right. whether it be French, Spanish, etc. Yep. I I I don't I, I I like the thought of that, I guess maybe, but I don't think that it would be for me. Really? Yeah. Okay, so I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, when you can't have that full-blown direct communication, you've got to kind of figure it out a little bit. Maybe you have to, I don't know, draw a picture or no. or you're playing Pictionary or something. you got to uh, articulate what you mean in a different way. That can be kind of neat. There's also something kind of sexy about that. 
See, I feel like you're a guy that would think that way. I don't know how many women would think that. Really? Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. It, it, it has its disadvantages. Communication is key. Don't they always say that? Like for me, that's my problem. In case you're wondering, where, where am I, what's your problem, Kat? I think communication is key and it's really easy to cross wires and uh, very easy to cross wires. It probably would happen every conversation you attempted to have with that person. My all, how do you even meet someone who completely, they must speak a little bit of your language if you got to the point of dating them. Enough to get by. But you know what? I mean, hey, maybe you met uh, in line at Starbucks and for whatever reason you decided, you know what? Let's sit and chat. Okay. Well, there's a bit of a barrier here, but I feel like that's a solvable problem that kind of no. leads to it. God, that would annoy, really? the, that would annoy I, I the shit out of me, man. I'd be constantly on like Google Transit, like, hang on, what the fuck did you just say? Let me write, type that in. Okay. Oh, I understand. Yes. A grande. It means large. <laughs> uh, I. It does have its downsides, and I'll explain. Uh, my girlfriend, for example, is fluent in three different languages. When she doesn't want me to hear what she's saying, she will intentionally, with her girlfriends or her family, jump into Ita- Italian or French. And actually, she speaks a lot of languages, but those are the two that she's fluent in. And you don't always know what they're saying. And it sucks when they're talking to a friend in French and you don't know what they're saying. But when it's just you you two there and you have to figure it out without just using words, I mean, there's some words that we can all agree on. You're going to say au revoir before the night is over, <laughs> that sort of thing. Before, yes, the, But there's a, I think there's a certain mystery about it. There's a certain challenge to trying to figure out what they're saying, what they mean, how to express yourself without the go-to words that you just typically use. I think there's a lot of... I think it's adorable, really. Yeah, I think that you think that, and I think that's great that you think that. But if you were actually in that, <laughs> in that scenario, I think after a couple of dates, you'd be frustrated. You'd be very frustrated. Okay, so where it is frustrating is we need, need to agree, if we're going to get into this multi-language relationship, Yeah, you can only do one at a time. Because people who are fluent in different languages sometimes go in and yeah. out of other languages. <laughs> yeah, they can't help themselves. I'll tell, yeah. you, I'll tell you something. Yeah. I was at my girlfriend's parents' house, <laughs> and I admit, I had just smoked a dube and I was drinking a few beers. So I was a little messed up. She was speaking, her mother was speaking, and she was going in and out of Italian, and I didn't realize that that's what she was doing at first, because mm-hmm. when I walked in, they were speaking English, and then they flipped to Italian, and I don't even know what language they were speaking for a while there. I thought it was me. I thought, oh, man, I'm a little fucked up here. I don't know what's going on. I can't understand her when she's talking anymore. That's great. <laughs> so only one language at a time. Oh, one at a time. Yeah, they can't help themselves, I think. I've... I've- you know Anybody what? who's bilingual can't Re- help it. That, totally. Re- whether relationship or good friends of mine, I have a lot of Portuguese uh, friends and also have dated before people who are multilingual and speak that way to their family. So they'll automatically just do that or amongst my friends who both speak the same language. And I'm going, I'm saying, hi, this manja cake wants to know what the hell you just said. <laughs> Can I raise my hand and ask, how would you just say? Oh, that. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Thank you.
all English or all French or all Italian or all Portuguese or all Polish, whatever it is. It's one language at a time, and I will get there. I will figure it out. I love learning it, though. I do. Me like, too. if I know someone who has, I, I like learning it. I tend to forget easily, so I try to keep, stay on it and know, and remember that in case I meet someone else who is Polish, for example. My girlfriend, one of my girlfriends is, and I'll try to remember, oh, and I'll just say the thing, and then they're like, cool, cat, and then they'll continue to talk to me, and, and I'm like, I don't know any more than that. That's all I know. Polacks are fun. Yeah, they, they are really fun. are the, yeah. some of the most fun people on earth. Yeah. Guys, thank you very much for listening to this episode of After Nine. This is the way it breaks down. Doug is going to speak at 1130. People are going to be right pissed off. <laughs> it's going to be. No matter a, what. No matter what. Yeah. People are going to be pissed off. The sky is falling. The building is on fire. Whatever. People are going to be losing their mind. And I'm here for it. Quick, quick game. Let's do a quick game between you and I. The three things you hope. Not that you think. That you hope are said today. I hope that he sticks to his original timeline, even though we don't think he will. I hope he sticks to his original timeline and lets these businesses reopen on the 26th. That's number one. Number two, no restrictions on these businesses. You've screwed them over too much. Let them have a chance to survive. No restrictions. If they want to fill it to 100% and there's customers willing to go in there at 100%, that's none of your business, Doug. Let the market determine how things are going to work. And finally, it's time to drop the VAX mandate it, or the VAX passports. And the reason I say that is because it has been an evil, awful, gross divide amongst our society in Ontario. Really, really awful what it's done. And it doesn't work. We had it in place and it was only vaccinated people in restaurants and gyms. And this thing spread like fucking wildfire. Mm. So it doesn't seem to matter whether you're vaccinated or not. We know the CDC is confirmed. You can catch it and spread it, vaxxed or not. There's no practical reason to keep this in place. The only way you can do it is just to be mean. Mm -hmm. That's the only way. We've got to just bring Ontario back to Ontario. We're all on the same playing field. No more discriminating against anybody for any reason. Full stop. Yeah, good. Your hopes are similar to mine. Mine is do away with the Vax passports. I hope that they announce when they open. And I do believe it'll be the 31st. But when they You're allow right. restaurants to reopen, I, I hope for that. Uh, my second hope is that there's more announcements than just restaurants. I mean, all we're hearing is sources saying restaurants. What about the theaters? What about the gyms? I want to see those reopen as well. And the third thing that I hope is that the capacity isn't as tight as they say, but I think it will be. I think it will be too. Yeah. I think we already know what's going to get announced. I think, by the way, part of the reason they leaked out the restaurant thing yesterday is because they thought that that was going to be really good news, universally applauded. Great. Good, good, good. And that was the setup for the bad news that's coming. I think the gyms are going to be heavily restricted. I just have a feeling. I don't I, know any, uh, for I feel sure. For them. I feel for you. I feel for you if you work at a gym or, you know, a lot of people have turned to personal training one-on-one and yeah. doing that. And I don't blame you guys. I don't blame you guys. It sucks though, because then you have to, basically what you're doing is your customer base is decreased because not a lot of people can afford that one-on-one. Although it's it'd be great to have the option. Not a lot of people can afford it. It sucks. And basically what you're doing is when you're reducing capacity is having people back out, right? Canceling memberships. And I really feel for the gyms. And open the theaters for fuck's sake. People want to see Spider-Man if I you don't see, mind. I want to see No Way Home. Come on. Have a great day, guys. PBS just announced that Arthur, the longest running animated kids show in history, will end next month with a four-part finale <laughs> that shows the characters as grown-ups. Yeah, aardvarks only live about 20 years, so this could get kind of heavy. 
19% of adults are participating in so-called dry January, which is what your girlfriend experiences when you show her your Wordle score. The CEO of Airbnb said that he's going to permanently live in Airbnb properties and move to a new one every two weeks. Yeah, the CEO of Motel 6 heard this idea and was like, do not expect that from me. Walmart is reportedly planning to create its own NFTs, and if you want to laugh, ask one of their greeters about it. I, I have no idea what that is. Maybe try sporting goods? The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold, guaranteed, or he'll buy it.